And I looked out and there was this big red blinking UFO. I can just say this, something's going on in the woods. Something's going on. They're not dogs, they're not coyotes. What could it be, right? I had an encounter with a skunk ape and it completely altered the course of my life. I found a skull. I think you guys are gonna wanna come build this. Put them out, put them out, put them out, put them out, put them out. Put them out. I just say it, I just say it, I just say it. Sightings of a UFO hovering over a barn? Millie woke up from a dream, and when I went into the bedroom, she said there's a monster on the wall. They saw that the creature had run through a barbed wire fence. They were able to obtain hairs. They sent the hairs to their lab, and it came back as an unknown creature. Welcome back to another Bizarre Encounters with me, Ghost, and my handsomely handsome, handsomely handsome co-host. I'm Shane. How's it going, everybody? It's going I, I'm, I'm the ultra most handsomest. I yes. uh, only use the uh, adjective handsome from now on. So okay. Ghost was actually forced to use that in this in this instance, but you know, it still works the same. <laughs> It does, because because you told me I'm not allowed to call you the creme de la creme anymore because you said you're not French. So I was like, OK, you're just handsomely handsome. I'm objectifying those people now. Yes. Oh, man, it's all over. Welcome back, guys. Uh, we have uh, an awesome episode for you, as always. Uh, Shane did some hard work in the middle of the night, burning that midnight oil, as they like to say, Uh researching some haunted dolls for this episode and i'm pretty sure most of you will know who these dolls are and may have seen some of the movies that holly weird made of them um which i did enjoy uh for for hollywood type movies uh also before we get into this there will be a halloween episode dropping on halloween which is a monday which these episodes are dropped on Thursdays. So the week of Halloween, you will get a Monday episode of Halloween and a Thursday episode as well. So you get, you get a double shot. It's like getting free candy from Bizarre Encounters. That's our way of handing out candy, folks. And we got a good mix, too, because we got the deep dive episodes for Halloween, which we're going to get into today and on our Halloween episode. And then we pop back into an interview on Thursday. So in the same week, you get a deep dive and an interview. And it's one of our both of our personal favorite interviews. We had an awesome conversation with this guy. And we're really looking forward to getting out to you guys. Heck yeah. So, uh, Shane, how you been, man? Oh, you know, same shit, Bur different day. I have to uh, tell you about this weird story about writing these yeah. notes, though. <laughs> yeah, you were burning that midnight oil. You sent me a text today. Hey. Had a creepy paranormal uh, type encounter that that happened when I was doing these notes, and I just replied, "Oh," and we left it at that. So I'm going into this, folks, blind. So I can't wait to hear this because I did not. I he wanted to tell me, and I said, "Shane, wait till we start recording because I want to blind react to this because there's nothing better." Well, I wouldn't like. It's definitely a paranormal experience. But I wouldn't say that it was necessarily creepy just because I knew who it was. So okay. going into a little bit of backstory on this, my grandpa passed away when I was, I think I was like six or seven. And my grandma always had this thing with him about turning on the light. So when he first passed away, 
Um, I used to spend the night at my grandma's house a lot and I was there all the time. Um, so before, you know, it sounds like just some grandma trying to make some kid feel better. I used to sleep like on the inside and she, cause she, uh, was like an older lady. So she couldn't, it wasn't really that mobile. So I like stayed in the room with her and stuff. So she would sleep like across, like on the bed, like up against the wall, like I said, on top of the fact that she wasn't very mobile and I would lay like on the inside. Right. So my grandpa, after he first passed away, she would ask him to like turn on the light. So randomly in the middle of the night, we would go in his old bedroom and his light would be on. So it's Hmm. kind of been like a thing throughout my life that he goes in periods where there's like stuff going on and he like almost like looks out for me. And his way of saying that he's still around is that he turns on a light. Okay. So fast forwarding to now, because I'll get into like some of the other experiences that have happened with that um, probably on a, on a future episode. Um, he's been doing this thing recently where like my kid will wake up. My son will wake up at uh, three o'clock in the morning usually. Mm. And it's been this weird thing lately. And then all of a sudden he hasn't been doing it. But the weird part is I hear him start crying at night. And when I go in there and he stops crying, the light's on. So oh. I take that as my grandpa trying to like settle him down, calm him down kind of a thing. Right. There's been a few nights that Gabby's gone to bed upset and randomly in the middle of the night, she wakes up and the light's on. Mm. Try like again, my grandpa trying to like say he's here like he's trying to soothe her, you know, just be the man he used to be. And so last night I'm like, all right, I'm going to do these notes. Um, I was watching a movie with the lady. Um, started getting tired around like 1130 or so. So I was like, all right, I'm going to set an alarm and I'm going to take a quick little nap. And then I'm going to start doing these notes because I got to get them done tonight. So I, uh, you know, fucking fall asleep, fade out. And I don't remember my alarm going off. And I usually don't remember my dreams. So at the end of this dream, I remember none of the dream at all, any of the context. I just remember the very tail end, my grandpa saying, wake up in the dream. And then boom, I woke up. It's exactly four o'clock in the morning. And the light's on because I normally will have the uh like lo- like low light on like when i'm just kind of hanging out relaxing and then i'll have the high bright light on to try to get, like keep me awake at night when i'm like doing research editing anything like that so um yeah that i had the one light off cuz i was trying to take a nap so the one light was on when i woke up right after the dream of my grandpa saying wake up and it's been kind of weird cuz i've had a lot of stuff going into just going on in life lately and I keep having all of these signs uh, basically telling me to put more effort into my podcast and what I'm doing. So kind of weird. I kind of saw that in the middle of the night as my grandpa being like, get your head in the game. This is something you got to do. And if you want to keep furthering this dream, like you can't, you can't fuck it up. So get these damn notes done. So it's kind of a weird experience. But thanks to my grandpa, I got my notes done. And he left the light on for me to keep me awake to get my notes done. Dude, that's that's awesome that you have something like that because, and and the the fact that you can knowingly relate it to your grandfather, you know what I mean? Because a lot of people be, oh my god, fucking lights on, and you know, but to to you and you know your family, okay, it's a comforting thing, and I don't know, it's kind of cool. You're you're sitting here going over these highly possessed dolls, and your grandpa makes a present, so yeah, and he says, wake up. Do your shit, yeah. man. Because <laughs> I've been very like down from work lately. And so I've just been like mentally like drained. And it's like something that I really wanted to do, but I just like really needed that nap. And I think that my grandpa, because I, I wear like a like a smartwatch and it tells mm-hmm. me like how much I sleep and shit like that. So just weird that I woke up at exactly four o'clock in the morning and somehow got exactly four hours of sleep. I also took that or 
woke up at four o'clock in the morning and got six hours of sleep. So I took that still again as a sign of like, you got a full night's rest. Get your shit done. Like you had yep. your time to relax. Do what you got to do, man. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know if I'd want to wake up at four o'clock in the morning. I, I, I give it to you, man. I, I said it last week and I say it all the time. I mean, wish I had my young energy as, as you do. But like I said, hey, though, I got six hours it? of sleep, though, beforehand. So I got yeah. my like my full night's sleep because I'm one of those people that my range is usually like four to six hours. Okay. And if I sleep the full eight, I just get like more tired. Gotcha. So like I try to try to get like four to six. And then when I do that, it seems like I'm the most awake and able to run through the next day. And anytime I go above eight, it's like 10 o'clock. I'm already like falling asleep. So I don't know. Everybody kind of works a little bit differently, but I'm like a you know, four to six hour anyways. Yeah. Hey. And I've always kind of been like that. So, you know. I hear you, you know, wait till, wait till age, age catches up with you and you might, you might turn into an eight to 10 hour guy. <laughs> yeah. You never know. <laughs> My other thing too, is just that, uh, I have this whole like demeanor that it's kind of like, you only get so much time to do what you want to do in this life. And considering I'm not typically a person that remembers my dreams for me, it just feels like I'm fast forwarding in time. So it's like, I'm not a person that prefers to sleep a lot just because I don't usually get that. Like some, like when I do have dreams, they will be like crazy vivid. Like I almost feel like they're happening in front of me, mm-hmm. but it's not very often. So it's just like most, more often than not, when I take a nap, do whatever, I feel like I'm just like fast forwarding an hour in life. Gotcha. So it's like, I try to push myself to be awake because I'm trying to get every moment I possibly can out of this experience. You know, you don't want to miss anything. Exactly. Sleep for the dead, sense. isn't that isn't that the term? Hey, it's something like that. And sleep. we ain't dead yet. Yeah, sleep is for the dead, and we ain't dead yet. <laughs> so, without further ado, after that fun story and getting into the Halloween and the spooky spirit, you know how we do around here with bizarre encounters. <laughs> weird. Uh, let's hop. Let's hop into this weird shit, man. So, right. I know Robert the doll. I know you want to read this one because mm-hmm. the whole thing started basically from Robert the doll. Because you said you wanted to do Robert the doll for Halloween, and I mm-hmm. said, "Hey, man." Let's take an extra little bit of time and let's do a specifically Halloween episode and a specifically haunted doll episode. So just for the sake that this one was for you, I think you ha- you should have the honor to read, Robert. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, Robert the Doll. Um, a lot of people are familiar with Robert the Doll um, from maybe the Conjuring movies. Uh, there was Robert, I think Robert movies as well. Um, trying to think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Robert reborn, I think is 2019, but, uh, I didn't even know there was Robert the doll movies to be honest with you. Yeah. I've always like followed like the documentaries and like all the lore and all that kind of different stuff. But I like, I don't know. I never, I really like somehow never came across there actually being like a Hollywood movie of it. Yeah. I don't know if I, personally watch them um but uh yeah like i said from the conjuring movies you know with the the warren family and what have you um he's covered now robert's not anything new to the haunted doll scene he's probably the most well known uh just more of a reason to hit him first you know (laughs) yes because this i mean this, he's just creepy to look at and the 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 stuff that goes on behind this doll and the encounters that, that you will hear uh as we go on 
is just weird. And it, it makes you wonder because he's he's kept in a case in a glass case in Florida. OK, he's keeps surviving all these hurricanes like dun dun dun. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, all right, uh, maybe there is something to uh, Mr. Robert, which I don't know. I mean, theoretically, if he's in a glass case, if that was able to maintain up to the water, whatever the hell. But supposedly, we'll get into it farther on, but he supposedly like leaves this case. Like, yeah. if he doesn't need to breathe, he couldn't theoretically drown. That's so, true. Like, he could pretty much just hold on for fucking dear life somewhere and, you know, fucking be under 10 feet of water and he'd be fine. Yeah. But, he's being a little bit lost, he, but he's never, like, washed out to sea or, or lost forever when these hurricanes come through. You know what I mean? Like, he... Man, just stick it around, you know. I've been here for 114 years, you know. It's another 114. Come on. Whatever museum he's at, they must have a very, very good protection spell. Keeps everything yeah. in, even during a hurricane. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Water just doesn't even touch it. Nobody would know. It just creates like a circle around the fucking it, building. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like those uh those fires where like the whole house burns except for the Bible. You know, yep. it, it, that it's the opposite version, only with Robert. So but I mean, hey, man, if the government and whoever the powers that be are concerned with the supernatural world, I feel like it would be at utmost importance to protect the building that has a bunch of supposed cursed items. Because mm, even yeah. if those got out to a bunch of random people, like who knows the havoc they could create or the ultra paranoia that they could create that the government doesn't want people to know exists. Like the upside down. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so in, in a Florida museum preserved in in, gla- in a glass case, sits a boy named Robert. The four-foot figure reclines cheerfully in a wooden chair, a tatty toy dog in hand. His sailor suit is pressed and clean, a faint smile dancing across his pockmarked face. He re- he's remarkably well-preserved for being over 114 years old. Oh, and he's also known as the most haunted doll in America. Dun, dun, dun! Dun! <laughs> Had to get so, deep on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so Robert's life began in Germany. Okay. So that we're going to go into the supposed origins of him. And then towards the end, we're going to get into some maybe more realistic origins of where he could have came from because of all the shit that goes on with him. So just like anything, guess, it's a, it's a story and then people expand on it. And then eventually it gets to a point where it's like hard to differentiate the truth. From yes. the parts that just got set in stone as the lore based around something. Yes. All right. So, like I said, his life begins in Germany. He was made in 1904 by the Steiff family, or not the family, but the factory. Uh, this company was best known for producing the first teddy bear and high-end collector bears of today. And was most probably part of the advertising window display of jesters or clowns rather than a standard doll for purchase. So in other words, he probably, they probably just made him and he sat in the storefront, you know, you bring him people in, you know, kind of like how much is that puppy dog in the window, whatever. It's not for sale. So the doll was bought by the grandfather of Robert Eugene Otto as a gift from overseas and was promptly named after the little boy, the sailor outfit that, makes Robert the doll rather iconic in paranormal circles was not the Steiff uh, product and was most probably an outfit worn by Otto in his youth, making the boy and the doll undeniably intertwined. Now, from here on out, when I refer to Otto 
that is Robert Eugene Otto, okay? Because obviously they named the doll Robert. So if I say, hey, Robert and Robert, you're going to get confused. So Otto is the boy and Robert is the doll. Robert was adored by Otto in his youth and was treated as though he were a living companion. Frequently, when Otto misbehaved or something was were to go missing and broken in the household, the young boy would attribute it to the doll. The reoccurring theme of Robert did it is inescapable within the doll legend. Supposedly, the first recorded supernatural incident was in Otto's early childhood, where he awoke to find Robert sitting at the end of his bed, his beady little eyes staring back at him. Now that, my friend, would creep me the fuck out. And it almost makes it creepier, because it's like, you have the whole Uncanny Valley concept of dolls that look too similar to people. Yes. But on the opposite side, if they don't look like his face obviously doesn't look like a like a porcelain doll's kind of face. It's not a super realistic person's face, but in certain instances, having that unrealistic face almost makes it creepier than if it was a realistic face. Yes. Especially when it's acting, how like an actual like face would interact, like staring you down when it only has little button eyes, like creepy yeah. as shit. <laughs> Coming for you, boy. What? <laughs> <laughs> Moments later, the rest of the house was woken by the sounds of furniture being thrown around the room. When Otto's mother entered the room, she found everything in chaos, except for the young boy who was curled up in fear in his bed. Robert remained at the foot of the bed. After this, Otto's obsession with the doll appeared to only escalate. While he previously addressed the doll as though it were living, his parents reported hearing responses to Otto's questions, all in an unfamiliar voice. That would be ultra creepy too, especially like, I don't know, for anybody that's a parent out there and anybody that's not, it's kind of hard to imagine, but just imagine if you knew your child was playing by themselves and you heard a voice responding to them. Not cool. Because it's not just creepy for the aspect of you're hearing another voice, but it's also creepy for the aspect of like, that's your kid and you have that fight or flight response that kicks in. And even if it's an invisible force, it's like, you want to do anything to protect your kid, but what do you, what do you do in that instance? Yeah. I mean bullets ain't gonna hurt the thing you're just gonna be punching air <laughs> yeah <laughs> swinging for the wind damn you you doll i just imagine somebody grabbing a doll and like <laughs> doing the bart simpson to its neck and screaming at it and it's just yeah. like i'm a fucking doll smacking bro smacking it smacking it <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> damn you slappy that's how he got that name bro <laughs> yeah i got his name just ask him he'll tell you i have to smack it out of him yeah he likes <laughs> he likes a good firm spanking do it Sean Connery style. Sometimes you just got to give the doll a good smack here and there. Make it listen. Just smack it real good. I'll take the slappest for a hundred, Alex. <laughs> we have uh, fun here at Bizarre Encounter. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> hey, you got you to you have fun here. Life can't always be serious. Come on. Besides, if we don't bring a little humor to this, who knows what darkness might follow us home. Done. done. Dung! Just going to get deeper on the last one as we go farther in the show. <laughs> <laughs> After a childhood of blaming his wrongdoings on the doll, Robert's behavior was said to worsen. As Otto grew older, the doll took up, up his position propped up in the upstairs window of the family home. School children who became aware of this legend said the doll would appear and disappear by the window, causing many local younger, youngsters to give the house a wide berth. This is like the main idea that I've had of Robert is when I first started hearing the stories of him, they all were talking about him being up in this window because 
I don't think it was until like relatively like recent, like within the last like 20 years that he actually got moved to this museum. And up to that point, he was still like a tourist attraction being up in the window of this house. Mm -hmm. So makes sense. I mean, I don't know if I was a young kid and I saw a doll sitting in a window and then it, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to be across the street, but no lie, I'm going to be pretty tempted to come back at night. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at it from across the street at night. Exactly. <laughs> Start across flashing Morse code at it. Like, move, Keywords. you yeah. bitch, in Morse code. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck out of here. Fuck you, doll. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> when the news of the children's fear reached Otto, he went to investigate Robert's attic spot but it actually found the doll on a rocking chair in an upstairs bedroom. The doll, uh, the doll remained in Key West in the family home while Otto continued his art education in New York and Paris, which is Paris. Paris. Uh, uh, Paris. So upon his return, Robert resumed his constant presence in the household. After Otto married his wife, Anne, she soon exposed discomfort with Robert's presence. The doll was not removed from the house, but rather confined to the attic. Robert was rather more unimpressed with his new quarters, and Anne soon heard footsteps and malicious giggling from the attic space. <laughs> I didn't have a sound card, so I had to throw <laughs> yeah. that in there. <laughs> yeah, I don't have one either, but uh, I need to get one for disembodied children's laughter. Hey, man, one day when I upgrade to the Roadcaster, I'll have all this shit on deck, man. I hear you. I hear you. I'll, I'll up, I need to upgrade mine, too. Uh, Double the sound effects. Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> Two years after Otto's death in 1974, his wife followed, and their Eaton Street home, doll included, was sold to Myrtle Reuter. Myrtle remained in the house with Robert for another, for, for another 20 years uh, before selling the property, which now operates as a guest house. However, during this period, the new owner, owner's daughter, uh, supposedly joyfully discovered Robert, only for this to quickly turn into fear. The child repeatedly screamed at night, convinced that Robert wanted to hurt her. She also told her parents that Robert was wandering around the room at night. A little freaky. That reminds me of these uh, stump dolls that my buddy and I came across that someone bought at that haunted orphanage and... The, the kid said, no, put it in another room. It's like, no, the stupid doll yells all night. So yeah, I think we we're talking about that on the last show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For anybody that didn't listen to that, go back and check it out. Yeah. In 1994, the doll was donated to the East Martello Museum in Key West. So this relatively the- recently, 1994. So what? That yeah. was uh, my age, fucking 28 years ago. Yeah. There you go. This is now the, uh, this is now Robert's permanent home and is a popular and unsettling attraction. Visitors to the museum and staff, members alike, report seeing Robert move, change expressions, and even faintly giggle. The East Martello Museum, or it could be Marteo, because there's two L's and it could be Spanish, so if it is Marteo and not Martello, please forgive me, but I do know two L's in Spanish is why, so... Take, but at the root it. of it, we're, we're English speakers, so yeah. <laughs> we can only do so much. <laughs> yeah. Spanish is not my second language. However, I know enough to get my ass kicked. So. <laughs> All that matters is you know the swear words, right? That's, exactly. If you learn any other language, you just learn swear words. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now, I have to tell someone to... Never mind. 
the East Martello Museum encourages visitor, visitors to ask Robert's permission before taking photographs. Supposedly, those unwilling to do so are met with horrible misfortune. Highly recommend asking permission. Yes. Because I've even had people that I know personally that have very much so told me, you ask for permission. <laughs> so anybody that wants to go there and check this out, do not forget, ask permission. I can't say that enough times. <laughs> nice. Uh, I wish I knew somebody personally that actually went there. But that I was or- originally how I figured out about the doll was I had um, a friend's parent back in high school that would regularly go to Key West because he was a big like boater and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was originally how I heard about this stuff. And okay. he said he'd been going there since he was a kid. And he, that was why I said my idea with this doll was when it was up in the window because he was talking about how he used to go to Key West back in like back in the 80s. Uh-huh. And he remember seeing this doll up in that window. Oh, shit. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> That's cool, though. <laughs> Robert is reported to have caused physical harm, car accidents, divorce, and job loss. Yet how is never fully explained. Those who do take photographs of Robert frequently report glitches in their camera, glitches that go away as soon as they leave the museum. Some of those include, and don't quote me on this because I don't have physical proof and there's a lot you can do with photo editing, but some people claim that when they have that photo glitch that he's not even in the photo and it's an empty chair. Oh, shit. That's even freakier. Right? (laughs) To substantiate this, the museum is filled with letters of apology, of which Robert receives about one to three a day. Now, one to three letters a day doesn't sound like much, but times times three by 365, that adds up quick. I mean, think about it, though. How many handwritten letters does anybody get? True. One in a month, let alone three in a day. Yeah, like <laughs> this all gets more more mail than most living people on the planet. Exactly, especially, <laughs> not including spam mail. <laughs> yeah, and especially nowadays when people actually don't even take really handwrite letters to each other anymore. It's either a text or an email. That's that's still saying so. Hey, talk about twenty twenty two. Give it a couple of years, and there's going to be an email set up for Robert. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so people well, can just personally apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it wouldn't uh, have the same meaning though to something that's a paranormal being if it wasn't like written text on paper though. True. I feel like that just brings like a I don't know, just something like there's something like magical or like spiritual to like text being written down on paper, you know? Well, it's kind of like writing your own spell. Yeah, and it has that personal touch too because it has mm-hmm. part of you because it's your signature rather than just generic text on a page. So, even going off that, I feel like the letters that are apologies to Robert probably would mean nothing to Robert unless they were handwritten letters. Right. But I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just speculating here. But just, just my opinion. <laughs> okay, so he receives one to three letters a day, begging the doll for forgiveness and failing to ask for permission. Uh, they beg for Robert to reserve their, or yeah, reverse their luck. But these letters only show the complaint, not the updates as to whether these pleas work. So who knows? Are these people getting eternal luck or not? I don't know. Uh, I think if they did, I think uh, I think we'd hear about it in, in a sense. So not all all letters sent to Robert are pleas for forgiveness. Many ask for advice or request curses to be placed upon others. Fucking dark minded people, bro. Come yeah, on now. The world's filled <laughs> up. You know, I had somebody ask me the other day, like, why would somebody want to do that? And I said to them in response. Like, why wouldn't somebody do that? You got to remember what type of people you're dealing with in the world. People like to fight. They like war. They like arguing amongst each other. 
So why wouldn't somebody, if they had the opportunity, even if somebody just looked at him wrong, if somebody was like, fuck that guy, like, of course, you're going to do some shit like that, you know? Well, think about it. Turn on the news. What do you see? Violence. Because honestly, when people turn to magic, it's not typically like there's people that are doing it for good reasons. I don't want to say that altogether, but typically I feel like when most people are resorting to magic, it's because they're angry about something and they're looking for some type of magical resolution to it. Makes sense. Makes sense. Especially if it's not something that they've kind of raised being spiritual. Like if somebody just starts looking into something like more often than not, I feel like it's, you know, because they have some type of malicious intent because somebody steered them the wrong way or something, you know, well, look, at, look at all the movies that, that are made. I mean, it, that magic's made, I mean, to, to fantasize about like who wouldn't want to do magic. And if you could get back or get even with somebody, you know, and you don't have uh, a good moral standing about your, your, your character. I mean, come on. I mean, just one of those things that gets a bad name because it's like it's not about whether magic's good or bad; it's the intention of the user. Mm-hmm. But you know, it always resorts back to bad. But not to get too sidetracked. Sorry, I just had to talk <laughs> about magic for two seconds. But let's hop back into Robert. <laughs> All right. So Robert is also the recipient recipient of a steady flow of gifts. After the museum made it known that the doll supposedly had a sweet tooth, which when I read read this part, I'm like. I'm thinking the curator had a sweet tooth and just used this <laughs> to, get, to get candy and chocolate from around the world. Send me some exotic candy. Exactly. <laughs> His fans from around the world quickly set to sending the doll a deluge of sugary treats. Atlas Obscura reports that the doll is often left sweet, sweets, money, and occasionally some joints. <laughs> That'd that be what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> That later is dismissed by the the museum as completely inappropriate. Uh, I must agree. Robert is far too young, and who knows how flammable he may be. Um, (laughs) Good point. Uh, If visitors of of the house or museum were to speak poorly of Otto, Robert's expression was said to change to one of anger. Similarly, uh, many visitors have reported watching Robert put his hands against the glass. Corey Convertito, the museum's curator, doubles up as Robert's PA of sorts. She finds herself fielding the thousands of letters and gifts received by Robert each year. She also controls his social media presence. So apparently he has his own Facebook and maybe Instagram. Who knows? Uh, Which is regularly updated in the voice of Robert himself. It It would seem that the antique doll is quite a fan of memes. Hmm. Who knew? Leave it to 2022, bro. <laughs> yeah. Meme this and meme that. This d- old doll loves the internet, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Go give him a like and follow. Convertito is also given the task of completing Robert's yearly checkup, whereby he is examined and weighed to make sure that the humidity in Florida, Florida's weather is not adversely affecting his wood wool stuffing. By what is Robert supposedly haunted? Granted, a large moth-eaten doll has its own sinister appearance. But what, what makes Robert's story so different? Well, that depends on your legend and your backstory. Okay, now this is where I was referencing in the beginning. So this, we're going to go into kind of a, a different twist on where Robert may or may not have come from. And this is the story that I'm kind of more familiar with um, in the origins of of Robert the doll um 
I do believe that he he was a German doll, but I I, I think it was possessed by someone before Otto. So we'll jump into this. While the story of Robert Robert's roots in a German toy shop is widely accepted source of the doll, there are many other apocryphal alternatives. One legend is that a girl servant of Bahamian descent gave the young boy the doll as a gift, as a retaliation for wrongdoing. The vengeful woman was said to have cursed the doll with voodoo, which filled the vessel of the doll with evil spirits. Now, anybody familiar with voodoo? It's a freaky, freaky little uh, combination there. Uh, not a big fan of the black magic. Especially when it comes to dolls, bro. <laughs> no, no. no we, can leave that, we can leave that at home. Voodoo is a common theme around the legends of Robert. Some records state that he moved voodoo figures around the room and around many other legends of the time. It must be noted that his constant fear of the black or other and supposed black witchcraft seems to have only added to the existing culture of terror, racial profiling, and discrimination of ethnicities, especially in the realms of ghost stories and social horror. However, other sources say the doll was bot haunted or that Otto himself projected supernatural powers onto the doll by blaming his childhood accidents and wrongdoings on Robert. Throughout the doll's existence in the Otto's house, he is said to have vanished multiple times and for prolonged periods when the house changed hands. <laughs> While the modern online sensation, Robert is quite the modern celebrity. The doll has appeared on TV shows and films and has even had his aura photographed. As of 2019, there are several horror films with Robert at their center, with Robert Reborn, 2019 being the most recent. Films or not, this 40-inch doll continues to be a place of pilgrimage for ghost hunters and oddity lovers alike. Some say he's cursed, others say he's a misunderstood spirit. Haunted or not, Robert's legendary status only seems to grow with each passing year. If you find yourself in Key West in the near future, do pop in and say, hello, Robert. Why not take a photo? Just ask Robert first. Can't say that enough. Told you. Yeah. <laughs> ask, ask, ask. Ask for permission, damn it. Don't rape him. In all fairness, though, you should ask permission to, before you take any picture of anybody. Otherwise, you kind of start infringing on being a Voyager. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because uh, with my job, I have to take pictures uh, of product. And we have, you know, I'm in Pennsylvania, so we have a lot of Amish contractors. So I personally have to be mindful that to make sure if I'm taking a picture and they're in it, that their back is either to me or they're not and they're not facing me or they're not in the pic picture at all. Because if you take a picture of an Amish uh, person, they feel that you just stole their soul. So people that don't know that and, and drive by and take pictures of, you know, Amish or whatever, you know, keep that, keep that in the back of your mind, you know, just out of a, you may not agree with their lifestyle, but respect you know, other hey, people's beliefs. Yeah. Re respect their beliefs a little bit because, you know, I, I make sure, Hey, you know, and, but then there's some are okay. You know, they, there's different sex within the, the Amish community. So some are okay, but most, most often than not, no, don't take pictures, ask permission. And then you get those, uh, random Amish, like dancing slash hip hop 
rapping, whatever the fuck fucking people on TikTok. Yeah. They clearly don't give a shit or they're hiding their phone. They're doing it straight prison style. They got it hidden in the barn, you know? As soon mm-hmm. as all the homies are gone, they're pulling it out. They're doing TikToks. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, let's get into Annabelle. You want me to take it away on this one? Yeah, you can take Annabelle away. I don't care. I don't want to take Annabelle. Yeah, she's your personal whore. You love her. <laughs> I'll read about her, but I don't want her. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what you told me. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell them about the things I'm into, man. <laughs> I'll try not to. If you want to find out what Shane's really into, join his OnlyFans for only $10.99 a month. You can watch him and Annabelle do crazy things together, like tickle each other's belly buttons and lick each other's nose and more. You also play patty cake. And patty cake. But that that's the private content. You get that in a message, you got to pay for that shit. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also offer a service where uh, I pretend to also be your father, and I just tell you you did a really good job. <laughs> <laughs> Little, how's your father? And I also tell you how to do things around the house. I think that idea's already been done, but, you know, either way, I got two, so go check them out. <laughs> If 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 you get, if you don't you're, you're missing out because he has a beautiful cardigan sweater collection. <laughs> Just so uh, anybody that is not in on the know, all ads on this show are completely for fun. <laughs> yes, fake. <laughs> it's all satire, guys. Although I'm just kidding. I don't have an OnlyFans. <laughs> Anyways, with that, let's get into my love that I have on my OnlyFans that I may or may not have. <laughs> Annabelle. <laughs> Annabelle sits in a glass case, bearing a hand-carved inscription of the Lord's Prayer, while a pleasant smile rests on her face, sitting up top a mop of red hair. But underneath the case is a sign that reads, Warning, positively, do not open. The whole rigmarole of Annabelle begins in 1971. The legend starts off with a 28-year-old nurse in Hartford, Connecticut. The nurse, whose name remains shrouded in mystery, obtained a three-foot Raggedy Ann doll for Christmas from her dear old mom. After the nurse got over the shock of receiving by far the most age-inappropriate gift for a qualified medical professional, she slowly fell enamored of the doll. A couple of nights later, Annabelle's owner and her roommate started noticing some weird shenanigans occurring in the general area of the doll. They concluded it was their vivid imagination playing tricks on them and dismissed the whole thing. But a light bulb went off in the cerebellum and a game was set afoot. Two roommates began to play ghoulish games with the doll, leave it about the house in different poses as a terror-inducing gag. It became a tradition. Who could pull off the best scare before the start of the shift? Stuff the doll someplace funky and try to spook each other. Sitting on the kitchen table over a bowl of Fruit Loops, on their beds curled on the pillow, inside the fridge playing with the frozen carrots, in the shower with a rubber ducky, in a darkened closet with a sun hat. Well, as the days slugged on, they tired of the gag and went back to their normal routine. The doll, meanwhile, didn't have any of it. Nope, not by a long shot. The doll had gotten a taste of hijinks and wanted more. A week or so into January, the wild raggedy Anne started appearing out of thin air in her old haunting grounds. And even more unsettling, she started to move her arms, or so the girls say. Up until this point of the story, the skeptics could make a valid argument. They could dust off the ever-so-useful Ouija board dispute. But the original owner of the doll was nothing short of the perfect storm of psychosis and triggers waiting for the barometer to drop and a cold front to sweep in. The owner was a storm waiting to break. 
superstitious, naive, gullible, paranoid, deeply religious, prone to fancy while her friend snickered. Oh, dear Lord, Annabelle drank all the beer and hid the last cores behind her bed. The nurse started crossing herself and intoning a quick, Our Father, and resolved to put a stop to it. The curse, as it turned out, was worse than the disease. The nurse, frightened and believing that she was the prey of supernatural and demonic forces, flew to a renowned medium. The medium proclaimed that the doll was haunted by the spirit of a little girl named Annabelle. To confirm her findings, the psychic held an occult ritual that closely resembled a seance. Candles, pentagrams, chants, the whole nine yards. They checked for spirits and verified the medium's initial findings. Annabelle was a five-year-old kid that had once been struck and killed by a car right outside the nurse's apartment. The nurse was told that the doll was possessed, but not violent in nature. She took Annabelle back home and started treating it like the kid sibling she never had. She brought it toys, clothes, jewelry, and candy. The nurse and Annabelle became inseparable. The nurse could confine in Annabelle, take her to work, on long car trips, to the movies, to the ice cream parlor. The months passed, and Annabelle slowly but surely started acting wiggly, more so than usual. But not just Annabelle, but the area around the doll. The nurse began hearing knocking sounds in the house late at night, something wooming its way in the walls. They saw flashing lights, red, yellow, and orange, glint off the ceiling in their bedroom. Their beds would shake, rattle, and roll at midnight. The room's temperature would mysteriously drop. The doll, ever so often, would emit a low growl. Can you imagine just sitting there at night while the lights flicker and turn different colors and you just hear a doll growling at you? No. I'm running. It's actually not the doll growling. It actually had an upset stomach from all the haunting. It's actually its stomach going... Would you like some fucking Pepno Bismo? It's all the damn candy they're feeding you, bro. Candy and beer will do that to you. Candy, beer, ice cream. (laughs) then everything took a tailspin and the plane not only crashed into the mountain but set the mountain ablaze and caused a wildfire one of the nurse's boyfriends fed up with all the weird events pestering him whenever he came for some frisky business demanded that they burn the doll the straw broke the camel's back the freaky little monster would stand at the door waiting for the nurse to come back home after her shift enough was enough Fire up the trash can in the backyard. We'll make s'mores over her burning husk. A plan was made. Annabelle, as you can imagine, wasn't too keen of being barbecue fuel or made in s'mores. (laughs) Mm -mm. One late afternoon, before the cookout, a scream smacked the house awake. Both nurses came into the living room and noticed the future groom, who had been dozing off, wide awake, clutching his neck. What happened? I dreamt that something was choking me. He pointed to Annabelle. One of the nurses pried his hands apart, and lo and behold, his neck was lined with marks and scratches and deep red welts. The man springs off the couch, grabs the damned doll, and flings it across the room. Just a fucking doll! Crash against the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck that doll. Bitch. Dumb, dumb bitch. (laughs) The minute Annabelle slides down onto the floor, everything goes insane. Pictures and frames explode off the wall. Chairs roll across the room. The couch flips on its side. The lights bang off. Complete pandemonium. Worse still, the fiancé was slapped across the face by an unseen force. He slams into a window, shatters the pane into pieces. The nurses run out and pick him up, 
seven slashes across his belly, shards of glass embedded in him. The window disemboweled him and ripped him wide open. He bleeds dying there on the street. So not only did the doll freak the fuck out, but she somehow was able to kill this guy by imploding a window on him. Yeah, well, she th- I think she threw him through the fucking window. She, yeah. Because he landed outside. Yeah, the, yeah, it, yeah, you're it, right. Ima- imagine, oh, ugh. and then your innards just hanging out. Like, Disemboweled, that's the terminology yeah. here. <laughs> By a damn doll. Man. Pissed add. off the wrong bitch. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe we should be calling her a bitch. Uh, Annabelle, <laughs> we love you. We are sorry. We will give you a handwritten letter. Yes. <laughs> Scared silly, the young woman called the High Episcopal Church in Hartford who connected them with paranormal investigators and authorities in the unknown, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Now, you can say what you want about the Warrens. There is a lot of conspiracy that surrounds their work. Some believe that they actually were legit, and there's a strong side that actually think that they might have hoaxed a lot of their investigations. So take that with what, how you want to deal with it. Look into it yourself. You know, we're just giving you the edge of the cake. If you want the whole cake, you know, you're going to have to do a little research on your own, too. Unless you guys really, really want that. And maybe we can do that as a future episode. We can just dive into the supposed conspiracies. Whether you believe them or not, we can just present them. And so, you know, you'll just at least be aware of them. But if you guys are interested in that, let us know. and We'll definitely uh, come back around for that one. Absolutely. The first red flag in the Warren's investigation was the tall tale that the medium shortchanged the nurse with. Why would God allow the spirit of a child to possess a doll? When you die, according to the Warrens, your time on this plane is done. You either go up or you go down. You don't stay for an encore. As such, the Warrens concluded that Annabelle was, in fact, a demon preying on a young woman's sympathy. A demon that had, in fact, been released into the moral sphere by the strange seance. So... Not only this 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 medium not only got what the idea of it was wrong, but actually brought something on by doing a seance to try to get rid of the other thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> just want to point that out. Up until then, Annabelle was just a doll. Nothing more, nothing less. <clears throat> the demon became... <clears throat> oh, I got to clear my throat. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. No, 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 no. The demon became more and more powerful the more the girls dotted on. By recognizing it, they were inviting it to go beyond the doll and possess their home. They were granting it might and substance and allowing it dominion over their existence. The house had become infested. What the Warrens labeled a house that had been claimed by an earthbound spirit or a demonic being, and the doorway was the doll. The hellish creature was bound and anchored to the Raggedy Ann doll. After Annabelle became responsible for a death, the Warrens decided it is best to lock her up. The creature inside was too strong to be exercised. It had tasted blood. The demon had been challenged by a moral, and it had not only triumphed, but grown fat on the victory. This is one pissed off bitch. Right? <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, you got to look, look at the experiences with it. That Just like the Robert thing, people who don't believe in paranormal shit will disrespect it, and then they'll start believing after that. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't believe believe in the supernatural, don't fucking test it because that's when it blows up. And not only will you get proved wrong, 
but you may be disemboweled by a window. Yeah. Not saying it will happen, the disembowel part, but, you know, fucked up shit could happen to you. It's clearly a possibility. At least it happened in this case. So, you yes. know, the one in 1,000, but you don't want to be the second in the 2,000. Exactly. <laughs> on the way to the museum, the Warrens had a near-death experience brought on by the doll. According to Lorraine, the steering wheel and the brakes of their car failed to work during the transport of the haunted object. Hence, they soaked the evil-possessed doll in holy water. For safety, they decided to lock it in a glass cabinet with trinkets, amulets, rune- and runic symbols, not to mention a huge do-not-touch sign. Annabelle is now captured behind the wards and sigils at the New England Paranormal Research Center. The center is a cabinet of curiosity of all manners diabolical and enchanted items. Items that the Warrens claim are proof of the existence of the paranormal, and items and doodads too dangerous to mess around with. During the interview, Lorraine also revealed the tragic story of a couple who visited their museum a few decades ago. The tragedy began when the man mockingly, like we were just talking about, banged the glass window of the cabinet where Annabelle is kept. Due to the man's attitude, the Warrens asked the couple to leave the museum. But upon leaving the museum, the couple got involved in a fatal incident that led to the young man's death. According to the man's girlfriend, they were joking about the doll when her boyfriend lost control of their bike and crashed head-on to a tree. The couple's story is also not the only scary tale about the object's ability to terrorize people. If you read about the other Annabelle encounters on the Warren's website, it is revealed that the doll was also responsible for slamming a man across the chest several times. PRS director Ryan Buell, on the other hand, claimed that he saw the doll's head nodding at him when he was visiting the museum. Annabelle is locked, to this day, in a thick plexiglass enclosure. Incidents since Hartford, with students of the occult and research, still attest to Annabelle's strength and desire to wreak havoc. The freaky story. Uh, I mean, like I I said in the beginning, uh, the Annabelle series that Holly Weird made, uh, I did enjoy uh, because they, you know, they, they, they did capture a lot of this. Uh, they added the some super like occult stuff because there's like the whole Charles Manson cult thing they added in there and shit. But yeah, I mean, they're like I said, um, still a creepy, creepy doll. Like she just, uh, I don't know if, if I feel like it's almost creepier being a Raggedy Ann doll just because it's a very like personal doll that everybody, for the most part, you know, back in this time had in their house. Yeah. So it's, in my opinion, creepier that it's a Raggedy Ann than what they portray in the movies. My aunt, actually, this was when I was young, God rest her soul. uh, She used to make her own version of uh, Raggedy Ann and Andy. She called them Denim Daniel and I forget the girl's version of it. But uh, yeah, so no joke. It's funny you mentioned that. I just remembered this probably like five feet from me. I have a raggedy Andy doll that my grandma gave me as a baby. So oh, anytime I'm doing a podcast, I'm also getting stared down by a raggedy Ann doll or a raggedy Andy doll. <laughs> yep. Raggedy Ann and Andy. Except it's the short version, you know, like the little kid mm-hmm. carried on version. But yeah, yep. I also have one in my room. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> More intense. More intense. We need the intensity. Oh, yeah, yeah, brother. Dun, 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 yeah. Snap into an Annabelle. Oh, yeah. They're going to wreak havoc on you with the soul of a demon and a doll. 
Oh, yeah. You think you can match the strength of Macho Man Randy Savage? <laughs> Sorry, as soon as you get into the intensity, you, you just at some point you're bound to get into into Randy Savage territory. Yeah. You just you just run with it once you hit that. <laughs> How can you not? Come on, folks, lighten up. <laughs> so with Stories. that light note, <laughs> we're gonna get into uh, the Susie doll. Now, yes. this one is reasonably talked about, but not so much by its name. A lot of the lore with this doll is included with the Annabelle lore. Mm-hmm. And the case for that being is that this is also an, uh, a Warren's case. Yes. So just, you know, Hollywood doing its thing, they combine the story of them. So we today are breaking these into two for you. So, you know, we're going to hop into this one and you guys will actually be able to see the difference. Yes, you will. Because when I was first reading through your notes that you diligently put together, I stopped and I walked out and I was telling my wife about this Susie doll. And she goes, yeah, that's Annabelle. I said, no, this is a separate doll. She's like, what was in the movie? I said, I think what they did was combine two stories into one to make a Hollywood movie. But Susie is a different entity all in herself. So And way creepier than all these together. Anybody that hasn't, I'm sure I probably have it on the cover art for this, but it's a creepy ass doll. Yeah. Which is part Very of the reason creepy. why I also grabbed it is because it's one of those dolls that isn't just like, Oh, that's kind of creepy because it looks so real. Like it, it's just straight up creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, in 1983, Linda and Jerry Platt threw their youngest daughter, Heather, a party for her sixth birthday. Birthdays were big in the Platt family, and this was no different. Heather's Aunt Robin. I don't know why I said aunt. I've never said aunt. Auntie. Heather's Aunt Robin was even bringing down something very special that she had made for Heather for her birthday. When Heather saw the giant doll that looked just like her, she was over the moon. Aunt Robin told her that its name was Susie Doll. That night, Linda was awakened by a noise that sounded like an animal growling. She woke Jerry, who got up and looked out the window to investigate. Linda saw what looked like a shadow coming up the street toward them. Enveloping the streetlights and the darkness as it got closer. To Linda's distress, the growling just got louder and louder and louder. Just as quickly as it manifested, the growling shadow vanished. The next morning, Heather sat the doll on the couch in the living room as she prepared to eat her morning cereal. She went to the kitchen to get a glass of milk from her mom. When she returned to the living room, Susie Doll was sitting on the rocking chair across the room. In Heather's young mind, Susie Doll had just walked over to the chair and sat down on her own. Heather decided that it would be their little secret. I mean, after all, don't all best friends have secrets? Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> Jerry worked nights and Linda worked days in a factory. One morning, Linda heard noises from an- another part of the house. Upon investigating, she found the kitchen had been overturned. When Jerry got home from work, he was furious at the sight and immediately went to the girls' room, demanding to know who was responsible. All these girls swore that they didn't do it, though neither parent believed them. Jerry was convinced there had to be some reasonable explanation. When Jerry woke up later that day, he was greeted by the sound of the television not turned to any channel. When he got down to the living room, he found the very heavy furniture all piled on top of the coffee table 
like a child playing with toys. These were pieces that were way too heavy for even all three girls to move together, let alone stack it like that. Heather was sitting in the rocking chair with her Susie doll, transfixed by the television that was tuned to static. That's some straight poltergeist shit. That's exactly where I was going to go. Poltergeist. I'm like, oh, fuck. Here we go. Just reminds me of uh, Interchange. That's probably part of where that was inspired with that uh, that clown doll that's in that. Mm, It could have been. Could have been partly inspired by this. Still believing there had to be a reasonable explanation, Jerry thought perhaps someone had a key to the Platt's home and was sneaking in, so he changed the locks. Late one night, Heather's sister Lisa woke to the sound of children playing outside. Her sister Laura woke as well, and Lisa asked her to investigate. Laura didn't see anything outside, but they could hear the kids playing. Lisa tried to get back to to sleep, but when her neck got cold and she swore she could hear whispering in her ear, she became petrified. When she woke the next morning, Lisa had handfuls of her own hair in between her fingers. She ran to Linda, who discovered that Lisa had a patch of hairless skin in the shape of a perfect circle on the back of her head. Lisa insisted that she didn't do it herself. Linda and Jerry took Lisa to a specialist, and they ran tests. They determined that Lisa's hair had been pulled out of her head. One night, as the family sat around the dinner table, Heather suddenly said, bad things are going to happen in this house. Lisa saw that Heather's lips did not move, when they heard the voice ultra creepy <laughs> yeah and it's weird though because it's in a lot of paranormal instances what's up with this whole concept of them it almost seems like the paranormal are able to mimic living mm-hmm. people's voices yeah and this is a pretty common thing across the paranormal like maybe that's how they discovered ventriloquism maybe because uh but what's if you break magic. down the word it has to do with like talking from the from the soul or something weird it has some like weird breakdown yeah actually I'm going to look it up real quick so I can add that in because I think it's a cool piece of information to throw on the show. So for anybody that doesn't know, ventriloquist breaks down to belly speak, mm. which, I don't know, kind of like in my mind, it, I don't know, brings up like uh, like speaking from the soul almost. I don't know. Just that's that's where my mind goes, at least with it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. One afternoon, Lisa prepared to enter the room to get her roller skates, but stopped cold when she saw Susie doll sitting there. She turned around to ask her mother to help her find her skates. But when Lisa went back to the bedroom door, the doll was nowhere to be seen. Lisa heard a noise coming from the bathroom. When she opened the bathroom door, she saw Susie doll sitting on the toilet with her pants down. Lisa had already been creeped out by the doll. Now she was just freaked. Not only is it semi-alive, but apparently it has to go do its business. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and if you actually do look up Susie doll on the internet, there, there is a picture and it could be a depiction, but, uh, of the Susie doll actually sitting on a toilet with her pants. Down. And it's not whole, graphic or anything like that, but they do capture that. Brings a whole new meaning to ghost poo. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, dad joke. I had to throw that in. <laughs> Took a ghost shit. Jerry was home trying to sleep when he was awakened by noises coming from the kitchen. Upon investigation, Jerry discovered that the kitchen once again was turned over. Only this time, the chairs had been placed with their two front legs on the kitchen table and the back legs were hanging in midair. Jerry now 
knew that there was something supernatural going on in the house. However, when he tried to tell Linda, she didn't believe him. Linda's day of belief came the next afternoon when she was home alone. She moved Susie Doll from the couch to the rocking chair before sitting down to have lunch. A sound drew her attention to the hallway where she saw a single marble rolling toward her. A second marble followed from the kids' room. Convinced that there was an intruder, Linda grabbed a makeshift weapon and started to investigate. When she got to the kids' room, there was nothing there. When she returned to the living room, she was stunned to see that two marbles were in the middle of the floor. And Susie and Susie doll gone from the rocking chair. When Linda turned around, the clothes that she had intended to fold and put away after she ate her lunch were strewn all over the dining room. Linda and Jerry agreed that there was a problem and tried to protect the girls as best they could. They were financially unable to move and had no choice but to stay and fight. When Jerry went to sleep one morning, he was physically assaulted by whatever was in his house. His arms, his arm was burning and he had four deep scratches down his upper arm. Two spindles from the bed lifted from the posts and flew toward him. On the suggestion of Jerry's reverend, they called the paranormal investigator Lorraine Warren. She gathered the entire family around the kitchen table, holding hands. As they sat there, a sound like scraping against the wall could be heard. Immediately, a cold wind blew at them. Heather, who had been sound asleep, began screaming for them to get out of the house. When they ran to the bedroom, Heather began swearing at them in a voice that wasn't hers. Lorraine told them to bring in an exorcist. Father McKenna and the other priests came to the Pratt home. He placed everyone at one end of the room and told them not to look back. Within seconds of Father McKenna, beginning the ritual, scraping and growling commenced, which Linda recognized as the same growl they'd heard in the streets months before. The entity blew through the room like a hurricane. Even though the windows were closed, Linda realized that Susie Doll had been connected to the occurrence all along. At one point, the priest told the Pratts to leave the apartment as they needed to finish the ritual alone. The family went downstairs and resumed praying for themselves until finally the horrible sound stopped. The priest eventually left, and the younger priest gave Jerry a look that told him everything was going to be okay. Still, Linda knew that Susie doll had to go. She went up and got the doll, throwing it into the dumpster. Even though Heather cried, Linda didn't take the doll out. When she saw the garbage truck take the bin, she knew the doll would be gone for good. Heather never owned another doll after that. So that's Susie. Kind of intermixed with the legends, but I guess now you kind of know know the background, a little bit of the separation between the two. But I think it's one of those things with Hollywood that Annabelle has a lot that goes behind it. Susie has a decent amount, but not like a full movie's worth. So not that I'm trying to defend Hollywood, but in their defense, I feel like it was a combination of like they didn't have enough for one movie. So they had to combine it to make enough to, to make a movie, you know? Exactly. Yeah. But honestly, from the looks of it, they should have just went with the fucking Susie doll. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they could have made a whole entire movie out of Susie. You know, yeah. it's, it's not hard. I mean, shit. You can get hour-long documentaries on on like the Travel Channel on some of these things that, in my opinion, sometimes are better than a Hollywood movie. You know what I mean? Like I love watching like my, uh, my Haunted House or These Woods Are Haunted or 
you know, they're better anyways because they're not based on a real true events because that's how they word it because I say based on it and mm-hmm. they can literally take like the most basic principle of it and then twist it. Like yeah. chance text chance on massacre based off our true events and yeah. it was Ed Hain and they completely contorted it and the only concept that they took that's based on real events was some guy that used to make stuff out of people's flesh. Other than that, yeah. everything different. Everything was completely different. Yeah. Exactly. I remember hearing something that the director of that literally picked a chainsaw because he, quote, said, for the very first Text Chains the Massacre movie, he mm-hmm. said, I was in a hardware store. I started up a chainsaw without a chain, and a bunch of people panicked and ran away. So then he said, quote, I realized how much fear a chainsaw induces, and that's why I went with one. Makes sense. And so. that's why you see him at a lot of your your haunted houses, you know, people coming out with, you know, a chainsaw with without a, a blade or, yeah, a chain on it, you know, and scaring people. You know, I think it's just that fear concept that you can't really like block it. Like theoretically, if like a blade comes at you, you could like put something in front of it so you wouldn't get like the full whip of it. Yeah. But it's like no matter what you put in front of a chainsaw, unless it's, it's like a metal rip pole, you up. yeah, it's there's a good chance that it'll <laughs> rip right through it and it's just gonna go right through. So it's like the fear comes from that. There's no proper way to block a chainsaw, and even if you're hitting it with a fucking pole, it's still creating sparks and bouncing off of both of you guys. So like, it's still just as dangerous, you know? Yeah. Versus unless like a sword. Hurry, Duke. <laughs> Maybe that would work. So do <laughs> Hit him with the punch. Hype up a uppercut. Hit him with the Honda, the ho 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 ho, the shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Well, that was a good episode, man. Um you did you did great research as always. And uh I really enjoyed reading through these. These these notes were spot on. Try to get a very well rounded idea. And not just like covered the specific doll, but like I've always inter- been interested in like the post stories about when they get into the museum. So, you know, I had to throw in a little bit extra for both of them about the post stories, you know. But I also had to make it a little bit comical with the whole uh, soup, like Robert loving the Internet concept, because I just thought that was hilarious. So, of course, I had to include that in there. 2022. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess with that. We'll be leaving you for only a couple days because we'll be back on Monday for you guys for the Halloween special. Absolutely. So with that, we you know got to get to the to the end of show business. So mm-hmm. anybody that would like to send us a bizarre encounter, whether it's read on the show, uh, you come on the show, or you record yourself and you send it to us, any any of the following would be. Absolutely great. And we would love to uh, talk about your stories and get your stories out on the show. And like we usually kind of say, keep in mind that, you know, you may not feel comfortable sharing your story or if you don't want to be known for your story, but you still want to get it out just to, you know, see if there's anybody else that's had the same experience. We can take your name out. We can alter your voice if you need to. I have the editing software to do that. And keep in mind that it's not just for you. Like you'll feel better, of course, getting getting it off your chest with a group of people that will actually listen to what you have to say. But you could be helping others because there could be some people that haven't come to any type of rationalization with their experiences and they're still out in the woods about it, completely confused. And you could have a pretty damn similar experience to them. And maybe you guys could connect and help each other out. So keep it in mind that it's not just for you. You could be helping others out in the process. So Absolutely. And you can email it to us. You can hit us up on social media, however you choose to do it. Just, uh, you know, find Bizarre Encounters, Inquiries of Our Reality, or My Third Eye, and get in contact with us because we would love, 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 love to talk to you because we love all of you guys. And if it wasn't for you guys listening to our show, we wouldn't be doing this right now. 
So thank you. That's a very good point. <laughs> if you weren't listening, we couldn't be doing it. So keep keep listening. Don't forget to go over to Apple iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and review. If you don't want to do the review, go over to Spotify. Hit five stars and walk away. Simple as that. Can't get any easier. Share, share, share these episodes. I don't care if it's word of mouth or you know, just text them to family members or whatever. Just be annoying with it. And uh, yeah, till next next Monday, you know, we have a quick turn and burn here. Don't stay bizarre, friends. Just get weird with it. If you want to come and find us on social media, don't forget our link. It'll be down in the description. But if you want it out loud, it's L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash Bizarre Encounters. And with that, we leave you until Monday. Have a bizarre one.